Well, good morning. Go ahead and stand. We're going to get to worship here.
and the spirit is ready to move, so. You surround me, 
So good to be with all of you here this weekend, and we are, we're going to enter into a time of prayer, and I just wanted to give you a little heads up if you've been with us for any length of time. You know that usually we don't just pray for ourselves, but we pray for the church, that we recognize that All Shores is just one aspect, one expression of the church, not just locally, but globally, and so every week we lift up a different um, body of Christians that we want to come alongside and ask God to bless, and we lift up a different missionary across the globe. And and this month, um, our missionaries that we're praying for just happens uh, to be the daughter and son-in-law of our executive pastor, Steve Rhymes, Trey and Michaela Kaufman. And we're going to pray for them, but also we're going to pray they just um, had their first child, Steve and Sheila's first grandchild. So they're over there on the east side. They're excited about that. I do, I wanna pray for you, and I just encourage you, take whatever posture you need in order to receive uh, what God has for you today, whether that's sitting, whether that's standing, raising out your hands, let's go to God in prayer together. God, we look to you today, and we just say thank you. You have everything we need. There's not a thing that we need that is out of your hands, and so we come to you first, the first day of the week, and we wanna spend time with you, Holy Spirit. We wanna hear from you. We want our hearts to be changed by you. And we just pray, we may not even know what we need today. We may have just come in, whether it's in person or, or watching online, but God, you have something for each and every person today. And God, we do, we don't just pray for ourselves. We know that we are one part of your body, one part of your bride. And so we lift up, we lift up all the other parts symbolically today. We pray that you would bless your people, that you would raise them up. We pray for Bethel Baptist. We pray that you would uniquely be with them this morning, that you'd encourage them, that you'd give them exactly what they need. We also do pray for Trey and Michaela Kaufman as they welcome their first um, daughter into the world as Steve and Sheila are there celebrating with them. God, would you bless them in these next um, few months? Would you give them an inordinate amount of sleep? Please, Jesus, will you hear us? And, uh, and we just thank you for all the work that they're doing, for the people that they're serving. God, will you lift them up? Um, will you encourage them today? And will you ready our hearts, God, for what you have for us today? We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen and amen. Well, if you're here in Spring Lake, you can take a seat. So glad that we get to be together this sunny day. And you picked a great Sunday to be in church. We are kicking off a brand new series called Off the Grid that will take us up to Easter. And so we're so excited about that. We think it's gonna be an incredibly timely series. If you're new with us here today, we just wanna um, give you a shout out. Come on church, can you welcome those who are joining us for the first time? We love that you're here. Thank you for, for choosing to spend part of your weekend with us. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to hear a little bit of your story. The best way to do that is through our connection card. There's a QR code in the seat back in front of you, or you can always go to allshores.org and hit the button, connect with us. Um, we also have physical connection cards out in our lobby at our connection point. We'd love to give you a gift. Just say thanks for being with us. 
And uniquely today, whether, whether today is your first time being with us or if you've been coming the last few months, um, we're having Newcomer 9 right after our service today. If you're wanting some more information or wanting to meet a part of our team, we're going to meet right out into the lobby um, in one of the rooms back there. We would love to connect with you. Um, we'd love to you know, hear your name and hear part of your story. So join us for that. It's just for a couple minutes after service today. This is also the time in the, in the service where we give back to God and recognizing that ultimately everything that we have is his. And so we give a portion of that back to see his kingdom and his ministry move forward on earth. And so if you wanna join with us this morning, we'd love for you to do that. The ways to give are on the screen behind me. And as always, thank you so much for what you give and the ways that you give, the generosity that you shared. We can do so much more together than any of us can ever do apart, amen? All right, well, let's turn our eyes to the screen. We'd love to have you see what comes next. What if we knew that Jesus was coming back in 10 years? It would change everything. That is how I want us to live as a generation. And that is what we're gonna talk about at If Gathering 2023. We do not want you to miss it. you to gather your people in your home, in your local church, on your college campus. We want you to gather your people and participate with us as we follow God together. I still cannot believe that I get to do this. Don't miss this. Gather your people and let's watch God move. Hey, All Shores, I want to invite you to our next worship night, which is going to be Friday, March 24th at 6.30 p.m. And I'm really, really anticipating this night because it's going to be our first worship night at our Muskegon campus. It's happening right in the middle of our season of Lent where we're going to take time to just reflect on Jesus's life and ministry. And at this night, we're going to spend some time together worshiping, giving our thanks and gratitude to the Lord. So, Mark your calendars for Friday, March 24th. Muskegon Campus, don't forget, and I hope to see you there. It is as bad as the experts feared. Hurricane Ian has made landfall there are a few in Florida. Corners the of experts the massive say state of if you California, have plans to leave and have And we have some breaking news are. out of Virginia where police say a six-year-old is in custody. U.S. officials say that up to 100 Ukrainian... Tonight, a battle to control the state of Sinaloa, Mexico. As Hurricane Ian slams in the deadly mass shooting in Chesapeake, Virginia. Six well, I want to welcome those joining us online, those from our Coopersville and Muskegon campuses, and all of you here today in Spring Lake as we enter what is called the season of Lent and really are beginning a series that we've titled Off the Grid. And for some of you, I bet just hearing those different dings and bells, you're already stressed, aren't you? And so I want to invite you in the quiet just to pray that you're slowing down and asking God just to be with you, to speak to you, 
to lead you, whatever your disposition, your posture today, whether you're among us searching, whether you have skepticism, whether you're engaged in a life of faith and anywhere from fully engaged to struggling, be honest with God. Just pray honestly and ask him to speak to you and then I'll pray for us together. God, I thank you that you invite us into a life of connection to you. That you have made us, God, to be in relationship with you and with each other. And Lord, for all of the things that are just throwing at us all the time, would you be with us today? I pray for those among us who have doubts, questions, maybe even harsh skepticism of you, whether from things they've learned about you or ways people have acted, would you meet them? I pray for those of us among you, Lord, that we aspire to be close to you and connected, but there's so many demands, it's hard. I pray for us, God, where our hearts are kind of crusted over and hardened to the places where we're tender and ready. And I simply pray, speak to us. Lord, anything that I have to say that's not from you, let it fall to the ground, let it be forgotten. But I do pray that whatever is from you and whatever you want to do, even independent of anything I say, Lord, would you speak? Would you bring revelation, not information or persuasion, but revelation? I very simply join with the psalmist now praying the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, as we said, this is a series we're beginning titling, titled Off the Grid, kind of finding peace in this overstimulating world that you and I both live in, right? We understand that we live in that, that that's the climate and the culture of the life we live. I want to take you back uh, to just my early working career, just after college. And, you know, in different phases of life, you learn new things. And so I want to take you back to the first job I'm at. I'm doing social work, and I'm meeting particularly with kids at risk and their foster parents, and all of a sudden, I go from home to home, and each home, they're talking about having venison that night, and I've not even heard the word venison where I grew up. I don't know why. Maybe I'm hidden, but the idea of venison was like, and then I kept hearing about it, and I thought, well, these people really like deer meat. I don't know what's going on, and then all of a sudden, I got a few months into the job, and it's getting to be the fall, and I've, I suddenly, a bunch of them disappear to go hunting, like, what is the deal with all this hunting? Where I grew up, the only thing people hunted for were new cars and things they wanted. I didn't even get this whole deal. I thought, I'm, I've gone into a new world. That's what I honestly thought. This was in Holland, Michigan. And then I discovered that actually many people in West Michigan, as I moved up here many years ago, it happened to a lot of people in the fall. In fact, I found out we're a church full of hunters and a community full of hunters. I had no idea the killing instinct we had among us. And what was crazy and what continues to be is when you ask the individuals that do this, and I'll, it's mostly men that I've talked to. There are some women that do it, but I'm, I'm not trying to be uh, gender-specific or, or sexist in this, but let's be honest, a lot of guys like to go away. And people have all sorts of reasons why they think people do it. And I've heard lots of reasons. In fact, I hear everything from the hunt and the uniqueness of getting a deer to the camaraderie. But here's something that over the years I've heard over and over and over again, particularly from people who have some kind of faith. 
And it's this, that when they have this season of being out like this, they're kind of off the grid, and God seems to meet them in ways he does in other times of the year. Like there's something, be- man, there's a lot of noise going off right here. I just, I'm sorry, nobody else can hear it, but it's like I had a phone over here, I got something else beeping over there. Like this is, I tick my ADD medicine, it doesn't help right now. I'm just like, ah, I'm everywhere. Not your fault, just where I'm going. I, I can't even get off a grid when there's no grid. It was fascinating, though, and it's something I've come to realize is that many understand what hunting does in the fall for many people is it gives them a window into a life where you're off the grid for just a little while. Now, I tell you that because literally the season of Lent, the season we're entering, a season that we take from now to Easter that Evan beautifully introduced us to on Wednesday. I know we had to be online for it, but just this great picture of we don't run to Easter. We kind of lead up to it by sitting in the life of Jesus. And I want to give you a biblical picture of what we hope happens, but also we want to address this grid we're on, this overstimulating world we're in. But let me begin with the very life of Jesus. So in Luke's account, and this is actually in several of the accounts of the Gospels, it says this, Jesus goes through a season where it says he's full of the Holy Spirit, he leaves the Jordan, by the way, this is before he's done any formal ministry, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, they didn't need to get away from phones, but you understand that is a season of being off the grid, a season of being in his own world. And this stems from what happens in the life of Israel. We went through this actually a few weeks ago. This is the passage in Deuteronomy 8 where it says, remember how the Lord your God led you, just like the Spirit is leading him, all the way into the wilderness for these 40 years to humble and test you. And here's what you're going to find out. What's in your heart? In other words, Lent itself, the season itself, is meant to be a season that we self-examine. We get to see what is in our heart. And the beauty is Jesus goes before us and is there with us. And so the intention of this season uniquely, wonderfully, kind of in a special way, is can we take a life and have it off the grid for a bit? Can we live like the hunters in the fall? I mean, I can picture it. I know anybody I mentioned that's a hunting person, they find ways even before the seasons are, I need to go up and get my, uh, my blind ready. I need to go up and put some food out. I need to go up and blah, 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 blah. Because why? They want to get off the grid. What if we had that kind of posture during Lent? You and I want to be off the grid. We want to learn what it means to really unplug and discover Jesus, but also see what's inside of us. Because that's what happens in Lent. As we look to Jesus, we see what's inside of us. And so today, what I want to address is a little bit of how we get so distracted in life and what it means. Now to do that, before we even get into a passage, it's going to help us see this. This is really where we're ultimately going today is can you and I make room? Can we have some kind of unique living, some wilderness experience, some way that we unplug that in the midst of that, God might help us see what's in our heart. Because make no mistake, the distractions of our lives prevent us from actually looking inside our hearts. That was a good one. I'm going to say it again. The distractions in our lives prevent us from seeing what's in our hearts. And let me say this. When we see what's in our hearts in Jesus' presence, he does something. He not only loves us in the darkness and the coldness and the struggles, but he meets us, he changes us, and he fills us. All right, so to help us consider the life we're in, I'm going to take you back to an event that happened before all of us were born, or most of us were born, probably all of us. This is the Model T. I'm thinking in my mind it had to be before all of us because it'd be like 100 and 
some odd years old, and I don't think anyone's that old here. Just thought I'd get a drink while I'm thinking about it. <laughs> so, this is the Model T. In case you don't know, it's the first mass-produced car, and this is what Henry Ford said about creating it. I will build a car for the great multitude. It will be large enough for the family, but small enough for an individual to run and care for. In other words, I'm making this so everybody can have one and use one. Seems great, doesn't it? And it, in a lot of ways, it has been. It's changed our lives. Can we agree? The car has changed it. But anytime you make something or have something new or new technology or new ways of living, there are always unintended consequences. Can we agree that's true too? We don't think them through. So Henry Ford, we'd have basic ones like how many people have been in the back seat of their car probably when they shouldn't be doing things they shouldn't be. Oh, not you. I know you're all so holy. I see the aura, just the angelic glow around all of you. Can we agree it's been used for things it shouldn't be used for? <laughs> not amen, it's a good thing, but I like to, amen, yeah, hey. This training today is on the wrong things to do at the wrong time. No, but I want you to consider, too, there's other things that changed all over the world and culturally because of the creation and the, really the mass production of cars. Do you know that there was a flee from urban life to suburban life and a creation of suburban life, that people moved farther away from their work, that mass transit in cities began to change and erode and even be marginalized, and that just begins kind of the separation we had over the ability to travel. Look at it today. Do you know now you don't you need a car for travel? You need a car to live. I mean, do you, do you know how many things we have to make sure are in cars? Have any of you ever had a car that doesn't have air conditioning? Are any of you bitter over the fact that your car doesn't have air conditioning? I am bitter. Like, who made a car without air conditioning? How is that even possible? But we have cars that have multiple Devices that allow us to watch all sorts of things because we can't watch the same thing at the same time. We have cars that are meant for comfort and luxury because we live out of them, in essence. Life has changed, an unintended consequence. Even there's correlations, even to the fact that less sidewalks have been made in neighborhoods since that. It's kind of crazy to think about, but did you know that? So what we say is there's unintended consequences of the very creation of the car. This is true in every area. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you have a smartphone, I want you to hold it up. From every site, hold it up. You guys look around at each other. Most of you have them. It's, it's like somewhere between 80 and 90% of, every, of, every, every, of people have it. Now, if you have an iPhone device, go to screen time. You'll go in your settings, and you'll go down to um, screen time and click it. And then if you have a if you have a um, Android, I love the Android phrase. I got to remember what it was. I wrote down but forgot. Oh, it's called digital well-being. Oh, why don't you check out your digital well-being today? How are you doing? Just look and see if it tells you what your average is of how many times, how long you look at it for a day. Go ahead and look. I'm not going to ask you to share it with everybody else. I don't want to humiliate all of us. Uh, the funny thing about the iPhone is it not only does that, and I'm sure this is true, of the Android phones, they all tell you pretty much what devices you've been on. It'll even tell you how many times you reached for it and touched it and used it a day. I realized I'm under 100 a day, but last week I was stuck in an airport for all these, uh, for delays, and I realized I looked at it like 300 times, as if every time I looked, the flight was going to change. I better check again, I better check again, I better check again. Really helped me, made me feel better. Here's what I want you to understand. The uh, average adult, 5.4 hours a day were on our phones. Average teenager is 7.5 hours a day. 
Now, I know you're going to tell me, hey, you don't understand. I use it for my work. Can we just agree? It's not true. Like, you might use it for your work, but you go ahead and check out all the things you're on and how long you're on. And can we agree the phone is a great tool that creates great problems? Can we agree that we live in a digital world right now that's causing all sorts of difficulty for us? And what we haven't done in the midst of all that we've gained is we've built no guardrails, asked no questions. We just assume it's there to help us and no guidance required. Do you know after the advent of the car, things had to change. Roads had to be built. Rules were actually given to keep us on the roads and people actually had to have licenses. I still remember uh, one, one distant relative uh, through my mom's side uh, she passed away just a few years ago. She was over 100, and she grew up before they had indoor plumbing or cars. And I remember it was in her 20s or so that they even bothered to give her a license. Back then, you just drove. There was no rules or anything. Because ultimately, we realized with new technology and new advances, we need new understanding, don't we? And what I want to offer you today is we have very little guidance, and we presume that we're all handling it well. And yet, I will just tell you this to a person. If I asked you all to write down how much you think you use your phone, you would underestimate it and over-explain why it's good. Can we agree? So now we're in a picture. I'm trying to get you to engage in the season of Lent where you're off the grid. You're finding a place to live in God's presence in the midst of a phone that says, uh-uh, not for me, not for you. In fact, this is one of our most difficult tasks. As one of your pastors, I would tell you, What's so hard is we want to help you discover Jesus in his presence. And we could say you're overly busy, which you are. We could say you do too many things, which you do. But now what we have to say is you're too preoccupied, and I'm too preoccupied. And can we agree we are? By the way, you can say amen to that one if you want to. Okay. You've, just so you know, I'm, I'm gauging in here for any phones, by the way. Oh, crud, he's going to watch me. You can do what you want. I'll just be bitter privately. That's what we do in West Michigan. <laughs> All right. We're trying to find a place to be with Jesus. This is what I want you to consider with our technology. We have unintended consequences. And I want to just go through a few of those. Before we look at a really simple passage, hopefully to help us, can you consider the unintended consequences of our lives? Andy Crouch, who is a, a pretty deep-thinking uh, Christian and theolo theological mind, I would say, I love he makes a distinction between what he calls tools and devices. He says when we have a tool, it requires and rewards human involvement. In other words, a tool is something we use that better helps us accomplish and move ahead. A device eventually bypasses and replaces us. In other words, a device doesn't need us. It does its own work without us. And doing it for us can create a different consequence. Just consider that for a minute. Consider all the things that you rely on your phone for and ask yourself, does it really help my life? I'll just let you sit in that for a second. All right, let me tell you some things that we do know about unintended consequences, and I'm hoping this will help us. My encouragement in this is going to be to make some changes. I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be anything else. I can tell you you need to be with Jesus, which is ultimately what I'm going to tell you. But if I don't address the things that keep you from that, it doesn't help you. So let me just tell you some things that might be helpful. This is all research-based. Do you know what's true of, the t of, our, of our phones in particular? They're more entertaining, they're more distracting, and they're more interesting than real life. Did you know that we go there because of that? That we go there because we can be more easily entertained, more easily distracted, 
And quite honestly, it's more interesting, isn't it? Have you ever looked at TikTok? Sometimes TikTok is more interesting than the rest of my life and your life. How many TikToks have you sent to someone else? Some of you are like, TikTok? Isn't it tic-tac-toe? If you have to go back to Facebook, you can go there. There's other things. I'm just telling you, we're preoccupied, aren't we, with what's on our phones. And quite honestly, it is more interesting and more exciting than our own lives. I was with my grandkids yesterday, and they asked if we could watch a... It was a YouTube video. It was a family. They call it the Lava Monster. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. It's basically a family running around trying to find or hide from this dude that's called the Lava Monster, and they graphically make him look like lava. I thought we were basically watching someone else have fun. Now, we did it, and I was very glad to do that with my grandchildren. I'm just realizing I am watching this, and then I actually went and played hide-and-seek with them. I did it or I watched it. See the difference? I just want you to realize this is part of what we're seeing is that it's more entertaining, more distracting, and more interesting often than real life. Here's another picture. I don't know if you know this statistically. Anytime we're disrupted on our phones, this is a light average. The light average is at least 20 minutes it takes us to recover. So say you're working on a project. This would even be at work. You're working on a project and you get a ding, you get a notification you will turn because what do you do when there's a notification? You're, you bet you read it. You might miss out on something. Oh, my goodness. Have you ever had someone text you and then you don't respond in five minutes and you get another text? Like, where are you? Are you not available to me every minute of every day? Because when we get distracted, which is what our technology does, it takes us a while to recover. And we don't even see it, do we? We don't even realize what it does to us, yet it has a huge impact on us. And in case you don't know, what they're also finding, these are the researchers, is that not only do we have it happen to us, we cultivate bad habits out of it. In other words, we build on it. <laughs> you thought you weren't good at anything. Hey, I just want you to know, I'm building on the distraction I'm already a part of. I've learned to distract myself in all sorts of other ways. I have built a system of self-distraction. I'm going to write a book on it, by the way. I think I can help all of you. That's how we can kind of live in the midst of this. Let me give you another one. This, I love this. Tristan Harris uh, gives us this picture. He would be someone that worked in the industry and now is working to create some environment where people are asking questions and trying to build differently. But he calls it the slot machine model. And he says this, the slot machine industry makes more money, I think it's in movies, theme parks, and baseball combined in a year. And he says very simply this, even though it uses small coins, with every coin there's a pull, and with every pull we're asking, what will I get from it? Do you ever refresh your screen? No? You're refreshing it right now? You're probably net anxious right now. I haven't refreshed my screen in five minutes. Do you ever look or get a notification think, I've got to check again? And when we check, something we're hoping will help us along the way. Have you ever answered things and then you refresh again because you're afraid something new came in? I've got to keep it clean. The minute it comes in, I need to have it go out. You get the picture? We are... It is made, basically, for us to be distracting. And this is what's happening. This is how it's being built. Like, I want you to understand, some of this is happening outside of us. While we think the intention is just to help us, these devices have other aims. In fact, the, the, the app developers have talked about this. Basically, more distraction and more time equals more money. In other words, the more they can distract you, the more they can get your time the more they get your resources. And so apps are built in a very specific way to entice you in small ways over and over 
and over again. Have you ever bought a new app and it asks if you want notifications, push notifications, and you say yes because you think that's what you do. And then what happens? Do you ever get notifications? It's been 10 minutes since you've tried me. Come try me again. You haven't even been learning the language app I gave you. You should get another language lesson today. It's been five days. Don't you want a gold star for having a five-day? Oh, my goodness. We're doing chore charts with kids. You, you realize that's what these are made for. Now, now, these are the things that are working against us outside of us. Let me just remind you, too, that there are losses we have that we haven't even considered in unintended consequences. And this, I'm not exhausting it. These are just simple ones. One is that we have a shorter attention span. You do realize that, don't you? Or you're gone already. You're not here with me, are you? <laughs> I know it's a short attention span. Be funny. Do something quicker. Come on. Dance. Make, some, make a joke. Like, my job has to be to get you along because you won't stay with me very long. And that's continuing to happen. And what we've said is that's just the price of technology. I have a question for you. Is God the God of speed and hurry and constant stimulation? God is slow, isn't he? Got to wait. Have you ever considered that what this does is hinder us from actually hearing? Let me give you another one. It's increased our need to be entertained. In other words, the very principle we need, which is to slow down and be, or even sit in stillness, is violated because you and I, we are preoccupied with being entertained, aren't we? I mean, it's hard to sit still. I'm just going to sit here for a minute just to see how you do. See if I can get somebody to shake or go, oh, man. Let me give you another one. Uh, this one has really been a bit shocking for me. We Google it. We Google everything. And I don't know if you know, it's creating memory issues. So let me give you an example. Have you ever watched a TV show or a movie and thought, oh, I wonder what else they were in? And what do you do? You grab your phone, you look them up, and you spend 10 or 15 minutes pursuing that. While the thing's still playing, by the way. Oh, what did I miss? Everything. So that's one side of it. We don't even realize that we constantly have anything available we want to. And so we don't even worry if we know anything. We just figure we'll Google it. True? I don't need to know much. My phone does. Did you know that creates memory problems? In other words, we're less likely to remember things. Something's happening in the very physiology of our brains that's changing because we don't even work at recall anymore. They found this particularly with spatial memory. All of us, uh, how many of you use some kind of app to get where you're going? Most of us do. Everyone else is like, no, of course I don't. I'm way above that. I wouldn't do that. Most of us that use an app don't know the actual physical layout of where we're going anymore. Like it used to be that when you even had a map, you kind of wanted to know the lay of the land. And we just look at our phone and go, thank you, phone. Not only are you telling me the way, but if there's traffic problems, you're going to tell me that. Oh, and by the way, you're going to tell me if there are police on the way so I can drive faster most of the time. Amen to that one, right? That's what many of you say. But that app doesn't always let me down. If it lets me down, I'm suing the app makers because I shouldn't get a ticket. I paid that app just so I could know when the cops are around. We don't know how to see things in space because we don't need to anymore. Have you thought about the losses we have by just not finding things out ourselves. Imagine what that means for knowing God and knowing his ways and knowing our lives. I'll give you one last one, which we're going to hit these during the series in different places. It's just the idea that we medicate our stressful life. Very simply, this one hit leads to another. 
You know when you're anxious now, what you're more likely to do than anything else is grab your phone? I'm anxious. I don't feel I'm connected to anyone. I'll go online to people I'm not engaged with or know and read what they're saying. Maybe that will make me feel better. I'll read a news article that's going to just totally shred another side of this. That will help. I'm going to fill in the blank. It will not help. But the more we do it, we know this, dopamine hits take, and you and I get addicted to the very coping mechanism we create. Can you see the losses we're in? That's all I'm asking. Will you just agree with me? We're at a deficit, and we're in a current of culture that's demanding it. Here's the best way to, to realize that you and I have trouble with it, even apart from what it does. Just think about it with raising kids. Have any of you ever watched the younger generation and been a bit disgruntled by how much they use their devices? Oh, I was not like that when I was growing up. Even raising my four children, the first one, as we raised him, we had cell phones that had texting, but we paid for it. By the fourth one, it was all smartphones. And the difference in their senior year at their parties was kids talking to kids looking at their phones, texting each other. I was dis just disgusted by them. And then I looked on my phone and started doing it myself. I texted my wife across the room and said, you look at these kids, they're not looking at anyone else. Bah! So let me just give it to you this way, because there's things you're going to deal with. And I, I guarantee you, young parents, parents in the teen years at any phase, as you seek to even consider making changes, you'll fight a lot of culture. Have you ever heard kids tell you you're the worst parents in the world? And I have the perfect answer in case they do. I just go, I'm number one. <laughs> I win. I don't care if I win it being bad, I'll win at something. Like, I want you to understand, you will have things you're going to face, and you'll be fighting against culture, but I'm not even trying to do that today. Let's treat it like we're in an airplane and the oxygen mask falls. Who do you give it to first? So how about if you and I agree, let's just work on us. Let's just agree that we're going to work to build a different life. Do you think that might pour out into how you do family life and how you deal at different phases if you live differently? The answer is yes, in case you don't know. That's what I'm telling you. I think if we just face us, if we say, I'm going to look at this, what if we just take this season that we're living off the grid, we're actually going to go, it's Lent, we're going to live differently. And all I do is give you one picture from Scripture to kind of give us two ways we can live in this season. And it's a story that if you've been around the church, you've probably heard before. If you haven't, don't worry, because even though we've heard it, we don't pay attention to it a lot of times. There's a story in Luke's gospel, and it's, it's telling in Jesus' life, it's about Mary and Martha these sisters, and I'm only going to point out a few things from it, but I think they're profound pieces to ask yourself. So we're at a point now where it's kind of coming to a climax of Jesus' life, and it says, Jesus and his disciples were on their way. They come to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, we'll come back to what this means, but Mary sits, Martha's preparing. You get the two, right? So... Martha's distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She comes to Jesus and basically goes, Lord, don't you care my sister's just sitting there? Don't you care she's sitting there and left me to do everything? You better go tell her to help me. Now here's what I want you to see. Just the word distracted. You see, Mary, Martha is distracted by all she's trying to get done. And, and distracted means just what it says. Just think of it as being preoccupied. Have you ever asked yourself, am I present or preoccupied in a moment? Do you know when I ask this question, very rarely do I find someone that says they're present. Most people will tell me I'm preoccupied. Have you ever been home, sitting around a table at dinner, 
and the people look at you and go, where are you right now? I have had that happen multiple times in case you haven't. I've talked to many people and I ask, this is always a question I ask, are you able to be present throughout your day and when you're home? And most people say to me, nope, I am distracted. I am preoccupied. Now, here's the crazy thing about Martha's circumstance. It says she's preoccupied by preparations. This is the very word we use for, <laughs> just beautifully, it's the word we use for doing ministry activities. It's this idea, diakonis, it's this word for helping those things in need. And so, in other words, Martha's distracted by the things that seem important and needed in life. But what she's gotten is preoccupied with what needs to get done and not present with who's in her life and around her. Do you see the difference? Preoccupied, present. Preoccupied, present. Which way do you think you tip? Preoccupied or present? I'm not asking you to respond. But can we agree that most of us are pretty preoccupied? Jesus finishes with this really beautiful statement. Hey, Martha. <laughs> when I hear that, I'll, never mind. Let's go somewhere I shouldn't. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about a lot of things, but few are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In other words, Mary said, I just want to be with you. I want to be present. I want to sit at Jesus' feet, which, by the way, is the very picture of a disciple. They sit at the feet of the rabbi. And one little side note that I think is beautiful, Mary is, in case you don't realize, a woman, a woman sitting as a disciple at the feet of Jesus. In case you don't know, that was scandalous in Israel in that era. Come on, is that not an awesome extra? No extra charge you get that one today. You think you don't fit in, you don't think you're worthy, you don't think you measure up. Mary's a picture us to go, hey, we're going to give you scandalous engagement because Jesus wants you to be present for him no matter what your pedigree, your own view of yourself or your view of others. He loves to have you sit at his feet. That's what he wants. That's what we want. And Mary figured it out. She said, I'm living in a way and she's chosen this way that I can be with him, not be preoccupied with things. Now, granted, Martha only had things in mind that maybe would be helpful, but they were helpful at her own desire. We don't even know that the people wanted it. How much more could the phones, could the technology we have be pulling us out to a life of preoccupation and overly busied, hurried, anxious, struggling lives? Jesus says, hey, man, come, come be in the wilderness with me. Come and live in a way off the grid. Maybe you and I can just start for a season. Maybe you can't do it your whole life, but could you start with a season right now? Could you just say this, I'm gonna go off the grid with Jesus in the season of Lent? No, I'm asking it. <laughs> could you do this for 47 days? It's 40, but you got all these Sundays, they don't count. 47 days, can you go off the grid? Can you do it? I know you'll miss your phone. I know it's gonna be hard for you because it's given you so much. I mean, phones, they're, they're just this electronic piece of device that really fulfills you, doesn't it? Doesn't it make life better? Doesn't it really make you feel more whole? Have you ever gotten done being on your phone and thought, man, I, I just feel gross now. Ugh. You will now. That's how I got to tell you. You know what's funny about it? All I asked you was your phones. How many of you have multiple devices? Yeah, yeah. Good luck checking those too, huh? Oh, crud. I got to go to my iPad and my computer? How much am I on those things? Well, that's all work. Check it again. C could we agree that 
going off the grid might be the very thing we need. Can we learn from the hunters around us and go, they find something out. And for some reason to go kill deer, they got to take some weeks and be away. Why can't you be off your phone and be with Jesus? Simple practices. I got two that are going to be spiritual and three that are just going to be helps with your technology. The first one is learning to practice silence. And I'm encouraging you to do it twice a day. Do it sometime in the morning and in the evening. We typically have people start with a minute and they try to at least build up to five. Just sit in silence. And make no mistake, if you sit in silence for a minute, it will be torture for you at first. Because you and I are so adept at being so constantly stimulated, it is virtually impossible to actually just sit. But guess what you're going to find out after you do this for a few days and then a week and then you add time? It's going to get easier and it's going to be more peaceful. What do you think the practice of silence might do in a world of constant stimulation? The next time someone tells you it's boring, go, I love that. Did you know that it's in the context of silence and boredom that much of great life and life with Jesus happens? Can you see how silence might be a great practice for you? Let me give you what we do have as a guide for these, this time of Lent. We have actually an off-the-grid plan, and there are practices with that. We have a very simple Bible reading plan. It's six days a week. And then on Sundays, we follow the text of the day here. I'd love you to get one of those. They're online, and then we have them in the lobbies as well. But it's just, it's basically, if you go to allshores.org slash grid, you can download the PDF. And we have practices with it, just some basic things. It won't take you a lot of time. I guarantee it won't even push into all the time you're on your phone. But if you knock a few minutes off of that, you can get it done. How do we think those two things? We'll be silent and we'll engage with the Lord in new ways. There's a prayer of confession in there. There's some great simple steps we have. You with me? You're excited to slow down and you're going to do it, aren't you? I can feel the energy rising in the room. I can feel it in each campus, even though this is later because it's being recorded. I can just preemptively feel it. Let me give you three things that I think will help you with your technology. The first is turn off your notifications. If you have them on, turn them off. Just turn them off. Actually start to learn what it means not to answer your phone. It'll take you a while as Pavlov's dogs not to salivate, I promise. But it will get better. Turn them off. That's a simple thing. Here's two other ones, basic ones. Limit your usage. Go ahead and look at what your weekly usage is and make a commitment it's going to go down to X this week. And check it every week. Am I actually going down? Let's set a goal. You want to win at something? Win at not doing this. Win at actually getting rid of your phone some. Let me give you the final one, which is the most details. Create boundaries. Have you ever considered what time you actually pick up the phone? You know, your phone will tell you, you picked up it the first time at 4.30 a.m. You woke up and you thought, huh, I'm awake. Should I use the bathroom or go see what's on my phone? And we pick up our phones. Do you know your phone tells you how many times you actually pick it up and touch it every day? Why don't you look at that? Why don't you set up some boundaries and go, this is actually a time I'm off of my phone. By the way, you'll be present. Can you imagine watching a TV or movie and not knowing what happens and not being able to Google it? Oh, Oh, the horror of actually watching something and having to watch it the whole way through. Just take these steps. You with me on it? Now, I want to give you one simple picture. What do you think will happen if we do this? You know what? You and I will learn to slow down. We'll learn to live in the wilderness. We'll actually learn and discover who Jesus is. And I got news for you. Everyone who hunts can just keep looking at us going, I do this every fall. Well, it's time to do it in the spring for all of us. 
a church full of people that says, I'm going to back off what I've been doing and pursue Jesus and sitting quiet, tell me that won't change us. I want to give us one final thing. I decided that as I'm struggling with this too, I would write a prayer of confession. And so this is a, it's a two-screen prayer. We're going to start with this, but I'm going to have you read it with me. Because for me, it was helpful just to write this out and ask the Lord to meet me in it. So we're literally, to finish our time, we're going to pray this together. Okay? So I'll, I'll, you're just going to follow me in it. It is up there too. So let me just have you read this with me. Father, I confess I am often distracted, preoccupied, and overly engaged with my technological devices. I have often wasted hours searching, trolling, gaming, working, escaping at the cost of being fully engaged in relationships around me and with you. Jesus, have mercy on me. Help me to slow down, to trust you, and to live in a way that I can be present each moment of the day in you. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, and direct me as I seek to live in freedom from this bondage. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me tell you this before I pray over you. Jesus goes into the wilderness to live what we do in our wilderness. He goes before us and is the champion for us to live in a way in the wilderness that gives us hope to live in it by the power of the Spirit. In other words, we self-examine because Jesus did it on our behalf and died on our behalf and sacrificed on our behalf so we could not only be forgiven but have new life. He's our champion when we do this. You get the picture? When we go to a place of vulnerability, God is there before us, with us, and helps us through it. Let me pray. Lord, I ask uh, whatever you want to say and do in us, I pray you do it today. I pray that we will somehow through this look to you to be our champion, Lord, and that you will meet us, you will lead us, you will guide us, you will help us to slow down. I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, let me hear in spring, like let me have you stand. And we're going to give some space to respond as we sing to our champion to meet us and lead us. And we'll celebrate communion together to close out our time as well. so hard to see it took me so long to believe it that you choose someone like me to carry your victory perfection could never earn it you give what we don't deserve it take the broken things and raise them to glory you are my champion oh giants fall when you stand undefeated every battle you've won I am who you say I am you crown me with confidence 
I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who has conquered it all. Oh, now I can finally see it. You're teaching me how to receive it. So let all the striving cease. Oh, this is my victory. You are my champion. Oh, giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won is true. I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who has conquered it all. Let me invite you to be seated just for a few minutes. We're going to celebrate communion. <laughs> the beauty of communion is it centers us on the very work and love of Jesus, that he loves us in those places. We sit in the wilderness that reveal our brokenness, our struggle, our sin, our mess. Can you and I agree we cannot change the things we need to? But he not only can, he meets us to forgive us in the places that we can't. We tell everyone communion's open here if you're following Jesus. We don't have any stipulations of membership. And if you're pursuing him, we hope that the very participation would be a discovery of him. But we don't want you to enter in in a religious routine if you're not there. We start with the bread. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it. He gave thanks. He said, this is my body and it's given for you. I came in the flesh. I lived the life I'm inviting you to live by the power of my by spirit. I came to all the despair and struggles you have to give you freedom from them. Let's take of the bread. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. He said, when you drink this, you remember me. You remember that I have brought victory to your life. I have championed what you never could. And that's the beauty in this. You and I cannot work our way out of this mess of distraction and preoccupation, addiction, all sorts of things that we're just overstimulated and overly struggling. But he forgives and gives life. Let's take. Let's stand together and ask him, call out to him to give us life and help and hope and freedom, knocking down the walls of our burdens and struggles. and shout every wall comes crashing down I have the authority Jesus has given me and when I open up my mouth miracles start breaking out I have the authority Jesus has given me when I lift my voice 
Jesus has given me distracted world and the whispers just keep coming you got to do this now you got to do that now you got to be preoccupied with and Jesus in his death and resurrection says be present don't be preoccupied go to the place of the wilderness with me let me be your champion to give you new life out of it it may at first look like how could I do this but he says, I'm with you, I'm for you, and I love you, and I give you power. How about if we enter Lent like that? How about if we enter Lent and become a people that aren't preoccupied but present? Do you think your life might be more fulfilling? You bet. Do you think your life might be more attractive in influencing of others? You bet. Do you think you might love the people closest to you better? You bet. Do you think you might love the people that have been your enemies better? You bet. You think Jesus might give a life that's more fulfilling than what we're constantly grabbing and refreshing and looking to, hoping somehow the next click and the next awareness and the next comment would change us, and it won't. Let's enter this season together. You with me? Let me have you place your hands out. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with the Spirit. May you hear his gentle whisper slow down. Go unplugged, get off the grid, and be with me. Let me reveal and love you in great new ways. And as you experience that, may you find life that is true life for his glory, for your joy, and for the changing of the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.